everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 510. I couldn't think of a, an interesting uh, number to associate that with and come up with all sorts of research based on the, the number 510 to do with music technology. <laughs> but I'll just say the word. This uh, this is the music, techno- music technology podcast. We have all things to do with synthesizers, software, music production, DAWs, controllers, all of that kind of stuff, and that's what we're going to be talking about for roughly the next hour or so. I want to say thank you very much to Isotope, who have provided a competition prize this week. You can win a copy of their excellent Ozone 8 mastering software. Details for that roughly halfway through the show, somewhere like that. So do stay tuned, and if it's your first time and you like what you see, every Wednesday, 4pm UK time, uh, is when we stream live, although not next week because I'm away, but there will be a place... Uh, we've got a, a, a not live video to go out uh, next Wednesday at about the same time. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Say hello to our YouTube chat. It's nice to see you there. And also, you could, if you're watching on YouTube Live, you can either choose to be in uh, the YouTube chat room or you can join our IRC channel, which the details are also on the screen there. So you, you take your choice. And I've now got the ability to get you both in there. So hello to everybody. And uh, let's go and join our guests. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Uh, oh, no, that's the wrong button. With Mr. Gaz Williams from uh, Bristol, bass player, music <laughs> producer, music technologist, and uh, and yes, and guinea pig because we had a little bit of a test earlier with uh, him dialing in with an iPhone. But uh, we won't talk about that uh, right now. How are you, Gaz? <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, I've been having a very music techie week, which is uh, lots of MIDI, lots and lots of MIDI guitar and MIDI, MIDI bass week, um, which is a lot, always a lot of fun. Um, cool. Yeah, it still feels really interesting to me to play synths with guitars. You know, the the it's a it, you know I'm sure many of you know I've been doing this for quite a while now, but um, it, it's still trying to find this thing of um that expressivity that you want that you play in your normal you know in the guitar or the bass to transfer that successfully across to to midi that's what i'm still kind of but i've been making some quite good inroads uh this this week um and uh yeah so yeah that's been really on my on my plate but with a lot of uh, analog four electron analog four and the Dreadbox Abyss, those are the main ones I've been using it with. Um, so, yeah, that's been my exciting. <laughs> oh, excellent. Tech. Well, uh, it's interesting. Perhaps we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, but uh, about what we might have learned this week a little bit later. Uh, well, not that much later, in fact, but we'll also come to uh, my second guest, who is Mr. Ben Wilson, Div Kid, um, who uh, runs the uh, modular channel, uh, well, synthesis channel, really, on YouTube, uh, Div Kid Video, if you want to check him out or on Twitter, Dick Kid. Uh, saw you a, a couple of weeks ago at uh, Synthfest, and, um, yeah, nice to see you, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Um, if I can, I'd like to just quickly ask Gaz about the uh, MIDI bass uh, ventures. Um, is it? Are you finding any latency in the system? Because I've played around with people uh, with some of the cheaper MIDI pickups and also with things like Ewees, the Akai MIDI wind instrument. And the, the wind player said it's it's not live enough, even at kind of fractions of milliseconds of latency. He says it's just not quite whatever I can patch up just doesn't seem to give him the feel. Whereas the guitarist on the cheap MIDI pickup kind of felt like he was there nearly. Um, is it that or is it a sonic kind of you're not getting the tonal expression that you it's want? It's physics, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, I guess- um, with with the guitar that I'm using, I'm using a um, 
a, a GK pickup here. Yeah. Uh, that, that that uses pitch to MIDI. So it's I'm using the GR55 Roland system with that. Uh, and it's okay. The physics, as Nick says, you know, this this is you know, with pitch to MIDI is always there's always going to be inherently a small amount of latency. But I'm finding it to be really fast, actually. The the um that one seems to work really well. The uh, the bass, on the other hand, though, uh I have got a I've got a bass system with a GR pickup on there, but um, that is that's just too much latency to play. So the bass that I use is an Industrial Radio uh, Pro Four MIDI bass, and that's got the sensors in the frets, so that reduces the um, that reduces the uh, the latency massively. Um, and I and I use this thing as well. Um, this is part of it. Which is called the radio pick. This goes to a little, uh, it's like a plectrum that's got a very, it's got a metal tip on there. It goes to a little wrist thing over there somewhere um, that is uh, got a little transmitter on. And then when the tip of that connects with the strings, it's like instant. It's the fastest. That's the fastest. Uh, ah, so it's electrical, right? right. Because obviously yeah, you won't yeah. get you won't. I mean, because no a bass wave takes however long for a cycle to exactly. come through, you, you're going to get yeah. that delay. I mean, so that that bypasses that. Yeah, yeah but uh, but but back to the original. Well, to what um, to what Ben was asking though. I mean, there is this thing that uh, that that the MIDI uh, what MIDI doesn't, or, or rather, what note on note off doesn't translate is string energy. So string energy is another thing altogether. And with the MIDI bass system, um, there is like a kind of computer uh a computer interface with it uh or rather you interface with the computer you you run four separate it's quite fiddly to but you set you set four analog four outputs one for each string out of this little interface box into the audio interface and then it runs through a, a um like a reactor blocks thing called imprint and what that does is that takes the string energy and then it combines it with all the MIDI information coming from the the string sensors and the and the <laughs> so it's a bit of a you know you have to patch quite a lot of things together to get it working but that's the I think is the best MIDI system on the planet really because that it's got the very low latency uh, I mean there is inherently some latency in in any MIDI system but it feels very, very fast, and coupled with this thing called imprint, which is taking the string energy, that all combines together to give. Yeah, I think that that's the the best MIDI experience, really. But it's a lot of stuff. Work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So I've used the MIDI yeah. bass system live quite a few times. I've done it with Charlotte Church and the Pop Dungeon, and you know, it's a lot of extra hassle. You know, and like when you're playing festivals and you've got very short time to rig stuff up, you know, I'm finding that to be like a deal breaker with the MIDI bass. It just just takes too much extra, you know, just it just yeah. You can't just, just rock too... up, plug in, and and do a gig. You have to tech it yeah. a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but but you know it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing i'm enjoying it it's a really interesting uh, exper- experience and uh, what i'm going to try is um, with an expressive e touche i'm going to try and make a little wooden surround for it so i can use it with my foot so i don't put any pressure any weight onto the touche but just use the the ball of my foot then uh and i'm really really interested to try that i think that's going to hopefully be the uh, the thing that i'm looking for which is to be able to uh, meaningfully uh just synthesizer parameters um you know i try it with expression pedals but they don't feel sensitive enough but the uh the, the touche as anyone who's tried it is the most sensitive midi controller i've ever experienced really so um you know I, i'm gonna try it with a foot and see i mean it's it's not designed for that so I've, you know as i said i'm gonna try and build a little surround for it so i don't actually huh. ever put too much pressure on it but uh, that's my plan <laughs> Have you tried the Touche, Ben? Because it, it's definitely something that works really well with modulars. Yeah, I mean, the guitar side of it, the reason I asked, the most kind of success as a player I've had is just going down the kind of extreme fuzz route where you square off the signals so much that you then use filtering and effects to then create a sound. But that gives you such just a big raw block of fuzzy square sound that that's <laughs> not expressive in any way. But doing that, to get a kind of oscillator style tone and then add in the two shear over filtering and maybe VCAs mm. for level. But mm. I, I, I'm more kind of interested in that angle, really. What because it because obviously doing it with audio is instant, you just brick the audio and it squares off and you've got a fuzzy tone, but you could then process and it'd be no latency, as it were. Um, ah, okay, yeah, interesting. yeah, that's great. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> trying to play it with my big toe, maybe not um, ideal, but. Yeah, I'm interested to see how you get on with that, Gaz. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. So um, I wanted to start off with a topic um, which is kind of linked abstractly to what we've been talking about. This is just something I posted the other day because uh, I was I was trying to set up. I was actually demoing something that uh, Ben's been working on with us, uh, and I came up Hello, with this welcome concept. Welcome to a little Sonic Lab special. Uh, to uh, basically. Uh, be able to play third-party VSTs via the drum interface. And the first thing I wanted to look at was the... Uh, I'll, we've got I'll this fast-forward it a bit because it's... ...rack that we're working So the idea was, really... Oh, that bass on that is still nice, freaks me out. That is a, that's just massive. A, a what I wanted to do was actually create forums, an instance so here of... Just basically uh, putting with no, uh, battery in and then uh, the enabling you to... Uh, you know, to play via the pads on push the interface because normally you put it as an instantiator on a track and it's just the normal um, note grid interface, which isn't a lot of fun. But uh, I wasn't really trying to plug the video. I was just going, well, I learned something new this week that was really helpful in my sort of daily life, as it were. And I wondered how you guys, what you know, what what was the last thing that you guys kind of perhaps learned in terms of music technology that is a, a tip that you that you now currently use? I'll start with uh, you, you, Ben, if that's all right. Um, I've been thinking about this today, and I don't mean in any way I know everything, so I've not learned anything recently, but nothing immediately kind of springs to mind. There are things I've realised I don't know, such as some of the rack routing systems in Ableton that um, I should definitely get comfy with and knowing. Um, some of the kind of effects routing on a few digital desks, looking at bits of live sound. Uh, I have a few areas I've found I need to touch up on for various jobs, but nothing immediate really oh there is one thing um actually springs to mind a very particular nerdy modular trick 
Um, if you're using an LFO for vibrato style effects, and it's a kind of guitar bass ish line, um, you can't pitch bend up and down on the guitar. You're always pu pushing the string, whichever, whether you push the string up or down, the pitch goes up. Um, so using a rectifier to flip. So if you've got the positive and the negative voltage on the LFO, you want to flip the negative one up so it only ever goes from zero volts up and it gives you a more guitar-like vibrato. I know that kind of sounds silly that, well, it's just a vibrato, but... It or makes or a unipolar. Yeah, or just use yeah, unipolar. unipolar yeah. Just your bass pitch and then you just add in a wave on top that will cycle as opposed to one that will cycle around that zero point. Um, and it really does take your ear very different. Obviously, it has to be of a line that particularly sounds guitar-like or bass-like, but... Um, I've always kind of known it, but never applied that one. Um, it makes a big difference. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of uh, Unipolar. In fact, on the Rev2 review, which I published uh, beginning of last week, I think, or the end of last week, I forget when it was exactly, um, the square wave on the LFO, uh, I think the square wave the and the ramp are a Unipolar. So you can easily add, certainly pitch. So if you wanted to just do a, a fifth or an octave, you just dial it in rather than try and figure out what the center frequency is and what the bit between a bit above and below has to be. And I, I find that really tedious. So it's nice. So Unipolar stuff is also another way of doing it. So yeah, top tip there. Um, and I think, you know, we're all learning all the time. I know, Gaz, I'm going to come to you next. I mean, you said you've had a tech week, so I'm guessing you may have learned something this week that you could pass on to our readers. <laughs> well, Viewers, I've been using, even? I, uh, <laughs> I, um, so another thing I've been doing a lot of is um, playing around with the uh, the Isler Instruments chord bot, um, which is so I'm, going to, I'm preparing a video of that at the moment. So I've been using that quite a bit and um, I'm using it with the uh, Electron Analog 4. And the Analog 4, uh, which is just having a reboot, that's just been launched, doesn't it? The Mark II, um, which I have yeah. to say, I'm a bit, I'm a bit pig sick about because the Mark II is just so much nicer than the Mark I in so many ways. Um, you know, the, the, it's a really good uh, upgrade, I think. Um, but, um, you know that uh that analog four synthesizer engine is very complex you can do a lot of very interesting oh, yeah. things there's um, lots of audio rate mod in there as well all sorts of interesting yeah stuff. Audio, yeah yeah audio rate mod and sort of lfos that can be set to uh you know uh oscillator pitch yeah um lock to oscillator pitch and sort of sort of fm goodness and uh and then i was just playing around because i was playing chords um and in one of the oscillator pages on oscillator two, there's a like a um, there's some synchronization. Uh, there's sync the sync uh, options, you know, sort of sync oscillator one to oscillator two. But there's also um, an option there called uh, met, which I think is short. For, is it short for metal? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but this is it was one of these really strange little discoveries. But um, by by setting the oscillator to met, I mean, maybe someone in the chat room can help me out with that, what that is. Um, <laughs> it literally was a strange thing. When I trigger chords then, complete, you know, uh, using the chord bot, all the different chords would all start at different times. So it would sort of like arpeggiate within the chord whilst the chord was still sustaining through. So it was like a combination of an arpeggiator and a chord playing at the same time. So you strike it, 
and then you just get all these undulating there's all the different notes within the chord sort of fire off at different times and uh then setting an lfo to um to modulate the rate that, at, at which that happens and you get these beautiful as i say the chord is sustained but then all the notes in come in and out of the chord and it was a it was really an accidental find and i'm not entirely sure <laughs> what was going on there but um yeah, so I don't know if that was very <laughs> useful to know. Well, um, it's, it's very it's very specific, but it's still very useful. Yeah, but um, one thing I was going to say about racks on Ableton, though, is something that I'd done quite a while ago, but was just it blew my mind in the in, in the potential, the fact that you can embed racks within racks within racks. You can just keep on making these embedded things. Um, means that you can set up some really interesting stuff using uh, scale and pitch control. Um, so I, I did uh, I did this performance once where I was playing a hand sonic uh, HPD 15 Roland, sort of like a like a bongo thing. And the, the, the platter of notes that were available to me, I was using uh, I was using the scalar um, function within Ableton nestled within um, a rack and then mapping it to a well i had loads of control going on here but um a, a an expression pedal and what what the expression pedal would do was would um would sweep up through different intervals so as i would play a, a conga pattern i could with my foot as i move up it would sweep to different intervals. So it would play first, third, fifth, seventh. And then as I move the pedal up, it would start third, fifth, seventh octave, but then, you know, fifth. Oh, so just invert seventh, up and up and up and up. Mm. So what would happen is as you play, a, you play like a kind of conga pattern and you play, I was playing with like uh, notes. I, I did the whole thing just using a piano tech, just using piano notes. And then I could sweep up and it would move up. But then embedded into that then was another scalar, which would lock all the notes into a particular scale. And I worked it out. I, I did. I, um, <laughs> so I set along the, um, in the rack, uh, what's it called now? The When you go into the racks, you can sort of open up the, um, uh, the, 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 the MIDI control. Um, and you can define, you can set a, a controller to sort of change across. I, uh, I did a globe. I worked out different scales from all around the world, worked out like a kind of circumnavigation of the of the globe with ordering scales in a particular order. So I could play these patterns. And then with, with my left foot, I'm sweeping up and down, moving up and down through the uh, arpeggio. So you get these beautiful, really, really amazing sort of flourishes of notes. And then with my right foot, I would advance it as the scale and it would crossfade into a new scale and do like a oh, kind wow. of go around that's kind of go mind blowing the, go around the world but that's this is the thing you see the that's what's brilliant with ableton with those embedded racks you can really do very creative things so so i just did i did a whole loop of the of the world so it went from i started with just like a major scale like sort of like a british folk sort of thing and then moving into um more eastern european scales into um Egyptian scales and wow. and so forth and into Chinese pentatonic and then into like a blue scale for for America and 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 then back again sort of it was a <laughs> you know so it's constantly constantly evolving but yeah that was something <laughs> 
Right. Okay. Well, I think we probably need some sort of uh, a demo session to understand exactly what the details of that were, but I think I get the drift of it. <laughs> I did yeah, ask the question. Yeah. It's my own fault. Yes. Sorry. It's a bit <laughs> no, complicated. No, no, brilliant. But, brilliant yeah, stuff. But, but yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's get on to... Actually, let's just have a little bit of uh, interlude because I think Chicky may well attempt to come on and he might come on during the ad, which will solve a few problems. So uh, let's, let's go. Obviously, this is news of uh, Isotope's Ozone 8, which is now uh, the feature of our competition. You get uh, Master Assistant, which really does help with uh, frequency masking, and you can choose your destination for for mastering type. You can learn uh, the program material. It can make suggestions based on a kind of mastering chain, and you can choose to use that or not, or use it as a starting point. Really clever stuff. And uh, lots and lots of other track referencing is another thing. You can have up to, I think, 10 tracks or a folder where you can reference them between two tracks and check the frequencies. The... uh, Tonal balance control, which gives you an idea of, you know, within the, the type of music you're listening to, what are the kind of acceptable tonal balances. Really useful stuff. We talked about this last week on the show. So if you want to check out Ozone 8, uh, it's well worth checking out. If you go to isotope.com, Ozone 8, or just Ozone, will probably get you there. You get a 10-day free demo, and uh, it'll help you with your mastering. You can use it on individual tracks, use it on the master. Very, very useful indeed. So I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. And we did ask for a competition last week, uh, and we've got a winner, a chap called Jeffrey Derry uh, on Twitter. His handle is at Jeff underscore, that's J-E-F-F-D-E-R-Y underscore D-E-R-Y. And he tweeted, this looks like the answer to all of my life's problems, which wouldn't it be nice if you could buy a plugin which did exactly that? But I suspect it might solve some of them. Anyway, you're the winner. So if you get in touch, Jeff, uh, you'll be able to claim your prize. Um, That is... Uh, Jeff Derry at J-E-F-F underscore D-E-R-Y. You won Ozone 8 this week. And we've also got another competition to go this week. Uh, This week we're looking for the hashtag... Oh, let me make that that full screen. That's not big enough. Uh, The the hashtag FixMyMix as one word. And the hashtag Ozone 8 to at Sonic State and at Isotope. That's one word, hashtag fix my mix and the hashtag Ozone8 to at Sonic State and at Isotope. And that'll get you entered into the competition. Uh, we won't be able to pick up the entry until the week after next because there's no live show next week, just to remind you. Uh, so please do uh, enter away and we'll have uh, a pick next week for oh, the week after for the winner. I did say that already, didn't I? Anyway, let's get on to uh, this. News of the Coma Electronics... Last year, we field launched effects. this device on Kickstarter, the Coma Electronic Field Kit. And we're very happy to announce that we have a second baby. This is the Field Kit FX. Just like the original Field Kit, the Field Kit FX is a box of wonders for the experimental minded musician. It offers five high quality CV controlled effects designed to work together with the field kit, with modular synthesizers and any other type of electronic music equipment you can think about. The field kit effects consists out of seven building blocks. Down here you have the looper and the frequency shifter. Here is the digital delay, the spring reverb, the wonderful four channel VCA mixer on top, down here the roller decks with a mini four channel sequencer and an envelope generator 
and up here, the CV interface. Right, I won't play the whole thing, but uh, this is another uh, episode, another piece from uh, Coma Electronics. But before I get onto that, let's see if we can get Charles Chicky Reeves to work. Uh, Hello. Fresh from traffic. Look at that. Here he is. What a, what a trooper. Straight out of the car, not looking at all flustered or pissed off in any way, though I can see the anger seething behind him. How long was that trip and how far did you have to travel, Chicky? Uh, I had to travel from Stratford, Westfield, Stratford, Stratford Mall to uh, Portman, Portland Place, which is very central of Westminster, and then back over to Islington, which is where I live. So it was... Oh, God, that was terrible. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't wish to dwell too much on it, but I, I'm congratulations for making it. And it looks like uh, congratulations for getting your iPad to work as well, because yes. uh, it seems to work, which is awesome. Uh, Charles Chicky Rees, of course, producer, uh, engineer, front house guy, currently working on the OMD tour pre-production, uh, composer, uh, writer, all sorts of things. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for hopping Gladly. in at this. Uh, this. Well, we were, so we were just looking at the Coma Electronics. I mean, the thing, that, what's amazing about this, you might think this, you know, the Coma stuff, the, the last thing they did was the field kit, which used contact mics and motor controls and stuff, little kind of thing. And, you know, you think, really specialist, but they raised €300,000 on that Kickstarter. I just, just think about that for a minute. For a company that size, 300 k is a pretty life-changing thing. And they're doing it again with the field kit effects, which actually looks really useful, much more specialised. And they've got to, uh, I think they've already got to 130 and they've still got 25, 24 days to go. So they, they wanted to raise 20 grand. They've raised 130 grand. So pretty smart stuff. I don't know if anybody, uh, I'll start with you, Ben, because you're kind of more the modular guy, if that's all right. Um, have you checked the field kit out? Did you, did you buy or did, have you had exposure with it? I mean, it's pretty substantial project, right? Yeah, I, I jumped on back in it straight away. Um, yeah, I love it. It's it's an amazing kind of tool for just playing with, with sound, people with experience, people without musicians, non-musicians. It, it's physical. You know, you can see little motors bouncing around and playing with springs, and it's great for kind of workshop stuff. And I've had a lot of fun with it, actually. It takes to plugging modular things in or MIDI to CV very well. So if you live like they did at Superbooth a year ago, I think. It was the first one where yeah. they had the glass bottle that was swinging. Oh, yeah. uh, that was Bastel, actually, wasn't it? But you could yeah, kind that's of right. do it with a trauma kit where the bottle is just being hit by a motor and he said, that's our cowbell. And then they had the guitar laid flat and, you know, something else was plucking the string. And doing all that live over CV was great. You know, rhythmic, in time, very fast. Um, this looks... Well, much wider appeal, um, I think, a lot wider appeal. Um, I did think when I saw the amount, when I, I went to back this as well pretty much as soon as I saw it, they must have had to go and get a different bank account. <laughs> what happens when you go to the bank and say, yeah, the business, um, we're going to need to drop €300,000 in because it's coming from Kickstarter next week. <laughs> it's crazy to think about <laughs> Lovely people as well. Wooter that's in the video, great character, always really fun, supportive of everyone. They're a lovely bunch of people. Um, but this, I like that there's a frequency shifter in this, something you don't see very often. Um, we, I managed with a frequency shifter to make the Volker Beats toms sound real at one point, like a real <laughs> kind of flop. Because with a pitch shifter, obviously it just grabs everything as a block and shifts it, whereas a frequency shifter... 
if it moves by 10 hertz, every harmonic moves by 10 hertz. So then it's all completely out from its original structure and it becomes more kind of dissonant a lot of the time. But some real sweet spots that you can find um, with them. It's an interesting thing. Spring reverb's always fun. Uh, delay, sequencer, VCAs. I think it'd be a really fun little thing. And I think Gaz has mentioned a few tools in the studio that are leaning towards modular, but not that artists would really kind of gel with. Um, I think this yeah, would be the, it, the, kind of box. This could be a starter, couldn't it? I just should point out, yeah. it looks like the spring reverb isn't built in. You get a, a spring um, tank, I suppose it's called, and you plug that in. It's not actually in the unit, so that's part of the kit. So that, you know, that you plug that somewhere. Like in, in the old days when you'd have your spring under the desk in a tube, the Great British Spring or whatever it may be. But yeah, it looks a lot more uh, a lot more usable, a lot more kind of funky, interesting effects. Charles, we'll come to you because you, you're fresh in. Um, yes. Did you? Did yes. We we. I I don't remember whether you were on the show when we did the original field kit uh, thing, but I mean the success oh, well. of it is astonishing. And it, you know this it again is. looks set to to do that. And it, it just because I mean modulars. You know, I mean it's kind of big, but I didn't think it was this big. So I wonder if this is yeah. kind of getting encouraging people to just jump in who aren't necessarily using modular, just using it like a, a an effects generator or something. Yeah. Well, I like the the whole the closest I've gotten to the whole modular side of things is the matrix brute you know and it's not modular obviously but because there's no cables well i guess i actually have a, a mother 32 so that's sort that's modular that's close of sorts yeah it's close um the modular stuff hasn't really interested me interested me interested me but this does interest me um i i i like the idea of cool little effects boxes and and being able to sort of make unusual sounds, especially for live, because you know, I, I carry strange things with me live, and that's what I use for effects. Um, I mean, I still use a chaos band live all the time. Um, but uh, I, I love, I love the idea of this. This I would get into more so than the than the other one. But uh, but th yeah, this I would definitely get into. Yeah, can, no, well, we'll check it out. It. I should also point out um, in the chat room, Flux three hundred two. Uh, uh, of Flux, you may know his YouTube channel, fluxwithit.com. Uh, he thinks, thinks we're going to see a big push towards CV-controlled desktop units without the need for a full-on Eurorack, which I think is possibly uh, wise words indeed. I know, Gaz, what do you think? Is it? Yeah. It's the sort of, you know, this. It, it's it's so it's almost Volker, isn't it? It's like, ooh, you <laughs> yeah. know, if you could just get an easy yeah. power solution and all of that, it would just be perfect. I was going to say the same thing. Flux kind of beat me to it there. But yeah, I absolutely think this is going to be something that's going to expand on because, you know, um, I'm probably similar to quite a few people who've, uh, you know, my sort of return to hardware and synthesizers has gone through small boxes and things like Volkers and whatnot. I mean, I had other stuff as well, but, uh, um, but actually effects, you know, like, there's only so many kind of subtractive synthesizers you can kind of deal with, you know, effects then are the, you know, the really exciting element then. In fact, you know, cool effects, you can put really boring sounds into cool effects and turn them yeah. into something really cool, you know, really interesting. So, um, so this thing does look great. And I mean, I was very tempted to get the field kit when it first came out, and I can see on the Kickstarter there is a bundle of the original field kit and this field kit effect for, let me see, I've got it here. 449? 449 for the, for the two. 
Ah, field kit, or uh, or yeah, there's actually the uh, if I got it here, you could get the field kit effects Eurorack plus effects pack. Oh uh, no, that's Eurorack. Sorry, uh, you're right. Field mm-hmm. kit effects, but yeah, field kit yeah. for four four nine. Hmm, that looks interesting. So, yeah, it does look pretty cool, doesn't it? The two together, I think, would just be really ace. I mean, I was keen to get the field kit, but I think. If it had come out like this, I'd have been much more interested. So I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely on the kind of, uh, you know, deciding whether to get this or not. I mean, uh, I have, however, got a box which has a certain overlap. Uh, the Vimona, um, uh, what's it called, Retroverb, which is a spring reverb coupled with uh, essentially a almost like a full, a full. Uh, analog synth other than an oscillator the uh, it's got um lfo uh uh a filter on there isn't there there's a filter this this yeah. thing here yeah and it's wow. i think is an amazing piece of kit very underrated and i use it an awful lot and that, that the spring is built into that uh however one of the great things when you've got a spring externally though is just you know, hitting it and tapping it and actually physically manipulating it. So, um, so that would be, that would be cool. Uh, so I am, I am very interested and I do definitely think this is going to be an area we're going to see some more interesting. It's in, if, yeah, uh, sorry. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because what seems to be currently happening is, you know, there was a big modular rise and then, you know, people, it's not for me, it's too involved. I need to. So, this this almost feels like a second wave, doesn't it? A, a sort of mm-hmm. here's a more accessible way of getting. And, and Coma mm-hmm. seem to have got, you know, nailed that pretty well. And they've got, they've got, and we're seeing it with kind of desktop uh, synths that have the semi modular Mudder 32, and there are other things coming along as well. So, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think uh, I wish them a lot of luck with it because, you- well, I mean, not that they need they've got they must have so much operating <laughs> capital. <laughs> When it's called field kit, though, is it? Can you run it on batteries? I don't see why not, but I don't think the batteries are actually in the unit. You'd have to figure out a way to do okay. it. I don't know what sort of ampage right. it draws or anything, so I couldn't. I couldn't say it's, for sure. Uh, but yeah, the original is a little little plug power supply, but I think at one point they did suggest you know several portable battery packs you can run these things on. Mm-hmm. One, uh, well, two last things to say on this really quickly, because um, obviously lots of topics. I really like that it's on their Kickstarter page, the field kit effects pack, that they curate a kind of extra bag in the package that they send with, well, with this, you get a spring tank, some contact mics, all the kind of cables you might want, the RCA cables for the spring. They did that with a field kit as well, where they put all the kind of goodies that are going to make this as fun as possible in one pack, probably for more money than if you want to go source them yourself. You know, you can find contact mics cheap, but it's great. It works well. And they have a manual in there, uh, 50 ways to use the field kit. Again, that's on the Kickstarter page a bit lower down. And now there's another 50 ways to use the field kit. It's amazing <laughs> if you can dedicate an hour a week just to study in this thing. And right, I'm going to try and do this today. There's loads it's of It's almost really like an electronics app. project, isn't it? Yeah, an interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it kind of brings us, it brings us back to this kind of notion of learning stuff on the fly, you know, and, and uh, or, or trying to kind of learn things. And uh, in the old school, in the old sort of way, you used to used to get you know like practical electronics, or there used to be uh, like little electronics kit that you would buy, like little bits do now. But there used to be so you'd have blocks that you get together, and there'd be a project book, and you'd go through and you'd make the things that you want. You know, it's that sort of modular, modular in the module sense of learning, modularized learning, I've, which is also a good I've, idea. Have we covered the Dreadbox Hades then? The kit because that's available. No, we kit. didn't actually. Oh, no. Sorry. 
I didn't and I didn't that, get to that. Because that's got a similar well, to what you're saying, you know, the idea that you can build your uh, build your own synth from a from a kit. And I've I've been pondering about this, and I think it's actually brilliant that it's a way of getting a dreadbox synth for not a lot of money. Um Let's have a look. and then it's an amazing synth. Uh 130 bucks. I mean, you need a case, but it, you can put it in a in a uh, a box. Well, you can you can put it in the cardboard box that it comes in, can't you? That's yeah, you could. Of, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't imagine it that does would sort of. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, sorry, guys. I just you just said it. Sorry, I uh, jumped in. It builds back into its own packaging in the cardboard box. <laughs> Neat. Um, which is one of the pictures, which is great. And they've sold. I don't know if they've sold out, but they've sold it. They sold an awful lot. Somebody was mentioning in the chat room earlier. Sorry, I didn't remember your name, but I should have made a note. Very interesting stuff, and and good fun as well. Um, right. Let's. Um, there was one other thing. There was another thing that. I, oh yeah, this. This was interesting as well. This is more of your software kind of thing. So this is a new Clevergrand uh, plugin. Uh, if you've ever seen their stuff before, they do some great things. They do a really good sort of vicious compressor, sort of one mic compressor type compressor. I forget what it was called, and this is. A noise gate that's made up of like a matrix of micro noise gates frequency dependent. You may or may not hear the results of this. Let's see. Sort of seems like magic to a degree. I mean, it's just a noise gate. But as you know, with noise gates, generally you get like there's some trade-off. You know, if you've got a long decay, you might have to set the uh, – or release, you might have to set the threshold further than you'd like so that more stuff creeps through. You have to set the, th- the, the the gain reduction so that it doesn't reduce all of it so you don't lose the tail. Well, this looks really interesting. I'm going to come to you first, Charles. I mean, I don't know – I mean, obviously there's isotope and the things that that does, you know, dialogue noise and, and – but this, this is a, a very specific thing. I mean, do you find that you're just editing that kind of stuff out or do you have a noise gate that you go to? You know, this looks like it could be a pretty cool little device, right? Yeah, I'm definitely going to get this. Um, I, I don't have a noise gate that I go to specifically because they all kind of are basically the same. You know, the, the I can't remember, there was the C1 that was from Waves and the basic one that's in Pro Tools and the one that's in Ableton. You know, they're, they're all kind of the same. Um, but this is this is like uh, this is something quite unique because you have to I think you have to have a a section of the noise isolated. Oh yeah, you learn that it, noise. Yeah. yeah, so it, it works a lot like denoiser or you know like or what or what was the one that Abbott had? It was for years ago. Years ago, they used to make D-I-N-R? Was D I N R. There was yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You can make everything sound really strange uh, with it if you really wanted to. But yeah, actually, this I, I have a lot of their other plugins. I have their uh, UC. I've got their um, the, the I, for, I forgot all the names of them, but the one that does like the timed filter changes and um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. I've got I, I have their synth, which is really good. Their their sort of pad synth that I think is really nice. Um, I, I love the products they make. So I was on their mailing list. That's how I knew about this beforehand. Uh, but it's it's absolutely this looks fantastic. I really I got to get something like this, or I'm going to get this for sure. Yeah. 
Oops, can't hear you, Nick. Sort of thing that's going to be very useful. Somebody can take a drink now. I didn't mute yeah. my mic. Unmute my mic. <laughs> if you play, if you do play Sonic Talk Bingo, that's one of the uh, trigger points for having to take a drink. So there we go. Yes. Um, yeah, that it does look. And, and I mean, just a very simple idea, a sort of frequency matrix of gates. I don't know if it's the same in other technology, but it looks pretty neat. I guess. I mean, you know, when you're doing live recordings and stuff, I mean, quite often you want all of that sort of residual ambience and crosstalk, but sometimes you don't. So this is something that you know yeah. looks like it would get you there. I don't know what the CPU loads like though. Hmm, I don't know. No, but um, how would you say their name? Clever. I don't know how you say it. Clev- but they're really interesting. Clever. 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 Like clever. Clever. Clevgrand, that's it. Clevgrand. <laughs> they make a really cool plugin. I like a lot of their plugins. The first one I got, I think, uh, we, we did it on the show ages ago, the, uh, the, the hot dog compressor, the Corv, Corv um, which is very, very simple compressor, but does sound really good. And I love some of their odd synths, the, the juicy, uh, the yeah. voice, uh, you know, really unique. And that's, so I think that this is a very interesting company who are kind of coming at things from a from an interesting angle. And, um, yeah, I, I, I do want to try this. It makes a lot of sense. And I can completely, the amount of times it would have been brilliant in the past as well, just, uh, mm, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to get this, I think, too. I think we might get it as well, because it's very useful, because quite often uh, I might, uh, if we've got, like, you know, we're doing a review here, we've got two open mics and there's a big fan on one of the CPUs on the, you know, in the laptop, if there's a laptop in shot, you get quite a lot of noise. Or if somebody's quiet and you have to compress them up to, to, to get them in, you know, it's really useful. for. The, uh, apparently, brus-free means noise-free in Swedish. Uh, and one of the things it says, uh, blah, 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 several frequencies trimmed expanders to build intelligent noise suppressor. No phase, no phase altering, which leaves the desired sound untouched. No squishy artifacts, which I'm sure we'll, uh, we've heard. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you tend to hear the squishy artifacts. It's a bit like um, when you're working at very low bit depths, like if you're watching a, a very low grade scre- stream, which is unfortunately, hopefully not this one, and, and the noise tails off. Skype, you hear it in Skype, don't you? When the noise grows up, you get this kind of... A and as it closes yeah. down and it doesn't know quite what to do. Ben, something for you? Absolutely. It's always, and I imagine everyone else will have experienced this more than me and lots of people watching, the best take that seems to have the noise that's crept in. And you're like, mm-hmm. right, let's do another. You solve the issue and then you go back, you know, the day after the session and you're like, the noisy one's just got that magic touch and I'm going to have to work with it. Um, my, I've always used expanders, then noise gates to try and, and then compression afterwards, but we're using the noise gate in the middle. If you can expand that level, chop the bottom off with a gate and then compress what's left back up. Um, I found that a bit more successful really, but it's, it's a lot of fiddling around. And like you said, with Skype and the bit rate thing, you, a lot of chatter and things if you try it on drums. And I think this and a combination of Isotope RX would pretty much do everything from what I've heard from that demo. Um, it's definitely yeah, noise be gone. Mm. yeah can you can you solo the noise i don't know if you can gaz actually i couldn't say for sure uh just quickly should mention it's i think it's uh let's see it's the uh the uh, a comes in aua vst and aax versions uh 50 off till the end of the month i think 29 bucks and there's an ios version as well because there's an ios uh plug-in format which could work in ohm or something like that uh 7.99 47 off uh so yeah that looks like a pretty 
Hmm. Pretty decent bit of, you know, it's one of those kind of utilities that they've obviously spotted and gone, oh, that's really cool. Actually, that was something I meant to mention as well. Uh, um, hmm. You see Russ Hughes over at uh, Pro Tools Expert, they came up with a plugin which is just basically uploading pictures into a plugin on a track which shows if you've got hardware inserted in the signal chain, it just takes a, you take a picture, email it to yourself, drop it into the plugin, uh, and it just basically remembers all the settings within the session. Really good idea. I'll see if I can remember that's what that's great. called because that – let me um. Let me see. Oh yeah, I saw uh, that. I saw that. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Should I, that's the one thing I meant to have in the topic list, uh, which I forgot. Pro Tools Expert. I'll tell you what. While we're while we're, um, well, I'll put I'll put a little plug for our uh, Max for Live synth, which is currently on ten uh, percent off. This is our Max for Live plugin, which uh, runs with Ableton Max for Live. Two multi-mode oscillators, three multi-mode filters, five ADSRs, five LFOs, and a 12-slot modulation matrix. Well worth checking out. Uh, let me see if I can find this thing. Damn, I can't find it. Anyone know? Anyone in the chat room know? Sorry, I curtailed my ad. Anyone in the chat know what that is? I'm completely, because I, I didn't notice. But it's if you, I, I don't know where you get it exactly. I saw it on Facebook, and I can't find it on their site. So I'm just trying to sort of see where I'm it is. I'm looking on Facebook now. Yeah, I can't see uh, what the actual plugin is called or where to get it. I wonder if it's on the. Oh please, God damn it! That's annoying. I'll find it. Yeah. Uh... Uh, God, this is this is what they what what's called dead air, I think. But yeah, I can't see it. Ah, here we go. Um, Got it. Found it. Ingenious new plugin. This is the one that they made, right? Uh, it's called what's it called? It's called Snapshot. And basically, yeah, you just upload uh, images into it, and then you put that no CPU latency, just a bit of extra storage, and then you drag and drop the the photographs in. I think it's Mac only at the moment, and it's free, which is a, just a really cool idea because then. The problem is, is you have to make notes and you keep them with the session notes, whereas this, it's all just stored within the session. Genius idea. Genius idea. Yeah. So that's the uh, Pro Tools Expert, and it's called Snapshot. If you check that out, uh, um, Russ very uh, posted a video. He said that it came. It was an idea he had in the pub with his mate. I think there are other things out there, but I'm not sure they're any longer supported. So this is a sort of new version, and a mate of his built it. And, yeah, good for him. Great idea. Um, right. Let's see. What else have we got? Uh, Clove Ground, we've done Clove. Oh, yeah, man. This is... I who knew? Yet another first ever synth. So this is this is this video here is uh, about the Tel Harmonium, which I've heard mentioned, but I actually never really knew what it was. And investors gathered for dinner at an exclusive private club to hear a business proposition for a revolutionary new invention. This a is around 1900. Fitted to a horn, stood ready on the dining room table. From this horn, the sound of the future would flood the room. The pure, rounded tones of electrical music. A single pair of telephone wires transmitted Handel's Largo as it was being performed on the Telharmonium, 35 miles away. I'm tempted to watch the whole thing in this. Table, the I won't do that, but basically they raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in the first round of funding to make this instrument. The Telharmonium, you may have heard of, but I did not know that it was... Wait, here, I've got... <laughs> Mark 1 version weighed 12 tonnes. Essentially what it was was spinning steel 
um, flywheels on. Uh, it's like an early version of organ tone wheels. We're talking 1897 or something, uh, I think it was. Uh, the Mark One version weighed seven tons. The Mark Two weighed 200 tons. <laughs> As did the Mark Three. And there are so many things about this that just make me kind of smile. One is, could you imagine anybody making something like this now you know not considering that that was a limiting factor it's got you know forget that it's seven tons 200 tons musical instrument that was made uh, mechanically at the turn of the century i think the idea was it could transmit music over uh, telephone wires which was actually very revolutionary but it's such an amazing uh, concept there was an original article on um uh, create digital music. Oh, which seems to have. Let me see if I can uh, reload that. Uh, which just g- goes back to the make noise. There's a make noise module which uh, uh, it's by Tom Erb. I think it's DSP, uh, which kind of uses the same principles to create. It's an additive synthesis, and the idea is it makes multiple sine waves which can synthesize effectively any sound. And that you know, in principle, obviously in maybe 1900 with a 200 ton machine, that was probably a little more difficult than it is to do in a kind of tiny little Eurorack box now. But this guy, uh, the the guy who made it is just, it's astonishing. What And what was his name? His name was uh, Thaddeus Carhill, about 30, 30 uh, circa 1896, and he patented it in 1897. And it's just, you know, that for me is, the, the beauty that this thing exists is what really blows my mind. And I don't think the last one was scrapped in 1960s. You know, there's, there isn't wow. one existing and I don't know if there are any recordings of it. It's just a tragedy. Imagine trying to get that to a gig. <laughs> You'd have to get the gig to it, I think. That's what they used to do, I should, didn't they? I was like, like whenever I'm thinking about tours and stuff, I'm sort of thinking, okay, so we need two trucks for this. We need to dis- like, but this would be probably like four trucks at least. And the crew, if I had a crew of about 70, and then I, that would be just my rig of the Telharmonium. <laughs> like, uh, oh, that'd be amazing, though. I mean, how cool is that? That's, that's a, that is amazing. And, and the time the time I find is 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 really amazing. Like, you know, one of the things I've, I've thought about, like, when I first came over here, you know, I used to think that, as you know, this the old saying that in America, they think 100 years ago was a long time, and here they think 100 miles is a long way. Um but yeah, I used to think, oh my God, that's just ancient history. But it's actually not that long ago, really. I mean, because the, there were so many uh, experiments happening around that time period with uh, with early electronic music. You know, I mean, I, I think it was in the eighteen seventies is when they first started started actually making electronic sounds. But God, the idea of those flywheels. Yeah, I've got some pictures. I, I suspect this might be the Mark One. Which is pretty big. It's a room, but wait for it. Here's the Mark II. Oh. <laughs> oh, ooh, wow! I think that's the 200 ton version that right there, which is just absolutely monstrous. I, I, there's there's lots of interesting articles about this. I can't make the whole thing, but uh, Make Noise obviously that their mod their Telharmonic module uh, has been out for some time. Ben, have you? Uh, I mean, you, uh, presumably you've come you've You've heard of this thing, but it just seems like such a tragedy that it's no longer, you know, it's not like some of these instruments that are still one or two left in the world. This is just gone forever. I mean, I can't imagine the scrap value of 200 tons of steel must be pretty, uh, pretty wet. That must have been pretty valuable, but so sad. There's one image you should pull up if you can while we're chatting on uh, the creative, uh, CDM, Create Digital Music uh, post. And there's a guy kind of with his elbow, with his arm out over these rotors that spin. Um, Oh yeah, hold on, I've got it here. Here we crazy. go. That's we the go. one. Wow. That's one so of that's them. What, 
series looks like on a steel discs. He um, says it's based on a magnetic field, and that's what makes those discs create sine waves. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the make noise module is very good. Uh, multiple outputs, so it can do all the um, additive harmonic series stuff with signs. It's got a shift register in there. It's really nice. Um, it seems like a really geeky modular thing, but it's a bit like a sample and hold that's got four stages. So if you think of it like an arpeggio where you play C, E, G, and then C the octave up, if it's a four-voice register. Play C, that passes to the second voice. E comes in. C and E pass to the next voice. The third voice comes in. Um, and it's a really nice way of creating really musical overlapping it's essentially a, a classical canon, just a musical phrase that delays through several voices. Um, beautifully musical as a, as a module, very instantly. It's also got a um, Casio-style phase distortion um, output in there. And a yeah, kind of that, track. That's some, that's some great. I mean, I, I think it's like, you know, this thing's about 300 bucks. I and mean, the, the, the actual original Telharmonium must have cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars even back in the 1900s and it's just I, you actually you sent a couple of links ben there's uh this one by i like this one this was uh, by matthew shaw which is just sounds of the uh, telharmonic module by make noise and yeah as you can hear there's all this beautiful I, I might leave that as a sort of uh as a background as we come to this but gaz can you imagine i mean i pay to go and see this thing as an instrument but i mean it's just gone it's like it's like the dodos it's stinked forever nobody's ever going to make this again because it's just it's totally impractical <laughs> maybe someone <laughs> will make it maybe there are nutters out there who do things like that and so yeah come on someone <laughs> I, well i suppose I it has been i suppose the thing is is that this was kind of the precursor to the tone wheel organ which obviously hammond have done mm. but can you imagine it's like that they make uh you can buy and i've always fancied one of these if i had enough land you can buy very small jet engines that are sort of you know this big rather than you know aircraft size <laughs> and maybe someone can make a, a replica yeah. of a telharmonium but really tiny so it sort of fits in a case on a, a boutique, table uh, a roland boutique version <laughs> boutique telharmonium <laughs> now, now you're talking gaz that is a great idea i think that that would be i mean this does sound extremely lovely have you got one of these ben hmm. um no it's the module that i don't have um matthew's within reach you know driving over to his um, it's great it, usually this is that shift register mode so every new note he's putting in is cascaded around kind of three voices um, it's, it's got it's very quickly musical you can just send a pitch in from a keyboard or a quantized sequence to, to get into that mode it, it's really nice it does all the kind of shepherd tone things really well as too. Oh. yeah the code was uh, Tom Herb Tom Herb, who's, uh, who did the Herb Verb, um, if those of you are perhaps uh, familiar with that name, which is a kind of, it's quite a classic, the Herb Verb is a classic. Is it a make noise module or is it a, um, somebody else made the Herb Verb? Ben, you'll probably uh, know that one. No, that's, um, that's make noise. Um, right. It's from Soundhack, Tom Herb, and it's, Soundhack's still free, a great um, kind of offline audio processing module. It does some things a bit like Paul Stretch uh, would do, kind of phase vocoding and morphing and convolution effects yeah he did the um, echophone delay which is based on kind of music concrete and tape splicing uh, repitching delay then the uh, uh, he redid the um, phonogene as well their sampler and the morphogene kind of textural granular sampler and and this um, 
yeah, he works with Make Noise fairly well. I say regularly. There's modules coming out every now and then by those two. It's very lovely, this, isn't it? It's got a real... Uh, I won't play it all because I think it's kind of gurning up the stream a little bit. But, yeah, really nice. And and mm-hmm. I, I just did not know... I mean, I, I'd heard the name, but I did not know the background. It's well worth looking into. And that, that, that was... Uh, the video I played at the top there was uh, by a chap called... Let me see what he was called. He was called... Uh, Bial, and it's just a little sort of documentary put together. It's well worth watching. And uh, there's also this one, which is uh, Mr. Doty's talking about it as well. Uh, when This is a uh, Moog Foundation uh, video. Back when he had uh, his classic Doty hair. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that was yeah. the thinking of Thaddeus K. I won't play the whole thing, but uh, yeah, really, uh, really uh, just fantastic. And that, that seems to be the earliest. And, and, and just, again, you know, could you imagine... I think there's a parallel here because I was talking to an investor recently uh, or somebody in a kind of in an investable company, shall we say. And they said that when you go to VC capital people and you're doing stuff to do with music and you hire a recording studio, you get them to have a glass of champagne, you get a couple of celebs in, you get a bit of musicality happening. Money just falls out of their pockets, apparently. And it's obviously a tried and tested routine. I mean, I've never tried this. This is obviously a popcorn story, but maybe that's the answer. You know, you just need to come up with some really harebrained musical kind of concept. Get the VC people in, have a decent front man, and you could just pull in hundreds and thousands or millions of dollars. Maybe that's what we uh, what we need, as long as you can pull it off. But uh, it just seems such a shame that there's, there's not one in existence. I wonder if there are any parts of it left, you know, where somebody's got like one of the... One of of the uh, one of the rods, or you know, it just seems oh, such a so sad. <laughs> anyway, um, what should we do? We've got I haven't got much time left. What what does anybody fancy? Does anyone fancy do the Buchler modular modular style from Softube, or perhaps the Music Theory Helper, which is again another very successful Kickstarter campaign? It sort of ties in. What 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 does everybody feel? Hmm. Raise well, your hand for cut. raise your hand for Buchler. Okay, we'll do the other one. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, another... uh, I know Gaz was talking about the chord bot. This is a similar kind of concept in terms of uh, controller, musical controller, with scales and inversions a bit more kind of buttony and uh, not so uh, (laughs) arpeggio, shall we say. Let me find the Kickstarter page. All of music theory condensed in a one MIDI controller. We wanted to create. It's a very a trippy video. You notice he's got these little reverb tails at the end of each phrase. About music theory. Before we get into what the theory board is, there's a couple concepts we need to go over. When it comes to music theory, there's twelve notes that you need to know about: C, D flat, D, E flat, E, F, G flat, G, A flat, A. B flat which loads every possible chord within the chosen scale and the right side is the melody side which loads the single notes within the chosen scale we'll look at the melody side first we currently have I don't know if you heard that first. With It's a very hypnotic video, obviously, a great Kickstarter video, and it's quite interesting because obviously there's a real hunger for this kind of stuff because the core bot did really well on uh, Kickstarter, and these guys have done really well on Kickstarter. They've uh, they've still got uh, 30 days to go, and they've already exceeded their uh, $100,000 $100, goal. This thing is $799. You know, it's not a cheap thing, but there's obviously a real hunger for people to be able to kind of disentangle or or be able to play within scales without having to learn all of that stuff or maybe they think you know it, it, it appeals obviously to the notion of i can learn stuff but i can also use that stuff 
before I've learned it properly. I'm going to come to you first, Gaz, because uh, I know mm. you've got the cord bot, and it's a it's a very similar yeah. kind of basic principle, isn't it? Oh, you've gone all soft focus. That's weird. Ooh. There he goes. He's come back uh. in. Whoa! <laughs> the video. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Maybe something crawled across the screen. I yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it does look very nice. Um, I mean, yes, obviously I've got this, uh, you know, I've got the cord bot with me, uh, you know, that I've I've been playing around with uh, over the last week. Um, So it's interesting. I think they've got, there's a a bit of an overlap between these uh, products. I haven't actually watched the, I haven't watched this this one. So um, just speaking about the cord bot uh, in relation to it, what's nice with the cord bot, is um well there's quite quite a few really nice things with it but one of the really nice things i think is um is that you you've got like these memory pads and you can store so you've got all the cords laid out and you can store cords into the memory pads and then so we should build in up a song you don't have to know what the kind of correct chord should be uh, there is a, a mode where it gives you um, chords within that diatonic mode, so chords which all work well together. But if you're just using it in the standard mode, you know, say you come up with a chord, say, oh, I like the sound of that. And then and you can store you just it. Right. Look. Okay. Yeah, and you, you just you, look for a chord. Look for a chord. Do, sorry, you just do you look think, for something. Do you, Sorry, do you think that there's a real hunger for this kind of Because obviously, you know, yeah. both of those projects extremely well funded. Mm. And, yeah. and yet, in, in many ways, it's almost you know, Omnicord or a chord, you know what I mean? It's, it's actually quite yeah. auto. It's, it, it, it's one step removed from this notion of auto accompaniment, but it's, it's not as uncool or perceived yeah. as uncool as that. It's really interesting. Well, I think the point I'm just trying to get to though, is that, that it's, you know, you can like have a chord and then just look for something that you like the sound of without necessarily knowing what the theory behind that chord is so i think that that is uh i think that's really great from a creative point of view and i and i think that this other device will probably have similar workflows to it but um also i think it it, is interesting that um we're getting more polyphonic synths on the market now as well Ah, so yeah so perhaps perhaps chords and chord progressions are are having a new a new kind of lifespan uh you know a new new interest i mean the in machine software there's a terrific chord mode um well there's a couple of chord modes in it um where playing a single pad triggers a chord um there's a chord mode which is based on whatever scale you're in, which is cool. But I think more interesting are these things called chord sets, which are essentially curated chords, for want of a better description. And, um, and you have like eight minor, eight different sets of minors and eight majors. And those are really nice because they're chords which really work very nicely together. But um, so without having to know all that theory, it, it enables you to come up with some very interesting, maybe jazzy sounding progressions or, or um, you know, in you know, really interesting ones. So I think that that sort of stuff opens up like this beautiful, you know, area of music, this, uh, you know, w- which is great. I'm really what I, I think it's something really cool because I think a lot of music kind of gets stuck in the same key because people don't have maybe the musical 
uh skills to <laughs> you know to do some yeah i know of, guilty uh, guilty yeah key, totally key guilty. modulation <laughs> um so things which kind of open up this wonderful world of chord uh chord arrangements i think is uh yeah i think it's really really cool and this thing the uh what's it called again the, the theory board the theory board yeah i mean it does look really nice now i wonder if they're going to uh try and make it uh like a very versatile midi controller as well as you know as well as its kind of theory board whether you can use it just yeah maybe a, so um, actually i should point out for just quickly before you carry on um i think the final price is going to be 799 but the 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 uh, Kickstarter is at three uh, two nine nine, so it does make it much more uh, attractive. As a, so, you know, maybe they get they're front loading that and kind of go. Well, mm. if we sell a load there, then maybe the mm-hmm. final MSRP will come down. I, I don't know how they're tackling that, but yeah, it's an interesting idea. Mm. Um, Chicky, I don't know. Yes. I, I I like the idea of having. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week. The idea of AI sort of assisting and saying, "Have you tried this?" I suppose with something like this, you can. You could press a button that was a chord that related to what you were doing, and it would go, "Oh." Yeah, that's that thing I like. I didn't know that that was the relation. I mean, it's, it's definitely got an appeal, but do you think it might be yeah. one of those things that the idea sounds great, but the actuality you kind of is different? No, no, I think I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be great. I, my my background is very heavily in theory, um, you know, doing orchestrations and stuff like that. And uh, still, I can see myself completely using this because it just gets me from you know A to A to B a lot faster than sitting there and just, you know, at the piano and just maybe, yeah, I can experiment with different chords, but I'm kind of like, uh, just not really sure. But if you, if you can just like rattle through a whole bunch really fast, absolutely. I would absolutely get this thing. In fact, I was just looking it up on my phone so I can contribute to the Kickstarter fund. Oh, <laughs> uh, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I like the I idea. These, yeah. I think the thing with all of these things is, you know, Certainly from my point of view, I'm not a keyboard player. I mean, I, I play on the keyboards, but I wouldn't call myself trained. But I, I like the idea of being able to have a dial as well that could simplify or unison certain notes or take out the third or take out the fifth or whatever, you know, so you can have all these different voices. I don't know whether it would do something like that. I know, Ben, I mean, you teach music. Is this yeah. sort of thing, would this sort of thing be you? I mean, do you use these kind of aids, you know, in other forms for, for your education side of things? Yeah, I'm tempted to buy one just as I've started a, a college job this year, not just um, primary and secondary schools here in the UK. Um, it'd be incredibly useful. The one I use a lot when it's anything production-based is the um, fold function in the MIDI clips in live. So if you start a clip and put every note of a given key in, you can fold down all the available notes so you'll always be in key. It's a really nice way to, well, either for us as musicians or someone new or students or young students that I'm teaching, just to just try push that note up and it will go up to the next available note on the scale, not the next note on the keyboard. So everything's kind of going to work harmonically. That and things like, um, I just picked this up, tiny little module from 2HP, um, just a quantizer, but it gives you major, minor, all the pentatonics, uh, Egyptian minor, whole tone scales, harmonic scales. I like setting up already quantized musical sequences and then just going, wonder what an Egyptian minor sounds like. And I might not like it, but it might inspire something else, or I may like it, and then it encourages a different kind of harmonic kind of content strapped across the music. Yeah, I use quantizers and things a lot. And as Chicky said, 
even someone that's quite comfortable with theory, it allows you to do it faster. Um, and just have a button in front of you where you can go, oh, what's that one? No. You can just immediately think, no, that's not for me. Move to the next note. You're not thinking, I wonder what adding a fourth voice to this is going to do. And you're not start figuring things out. Mm. Yeah, I, I like Charles uh, Chicky. I'm um, hovering over the back button. <laughs> on this one. Ah, wow, I, 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 that's not what I expected to hear. To be honest, it's funny though because this sort of thing seems like it would be not a piece of cake, but really obvious to do as a MIDI plugin, just that goes into a you know. So you use a, a keyboard that you're familiar with, and you split the keyboard you know via via input. One half is the melody, and the other half is a load of chords. Um, I suppose it's just not got the stuff written on it, so you don't know what they're called. So you could, but you could quite easily have a, some sort of visual display. So as you move up the keyboard, it's like, oh, there, yeah, there's that note. There's that kind of like the way that auto accompaniment words you play a shape or a derivative of a shape in the left hand, and it throws, you know, an augmented or whatever it may be, depending on what the language is. I mean, it seems like this is this would be a no-brainer kind of software thing, but it seems that there's a real hunger for it in hardware, which is which is encouraging, I guess, even though it's essentially. A bit of software with a with a, a, a bespoke controller stuck on it. I mean, as so many things are these days, I suppose that's not entirely a fair judgment of that. But yeah, um, yes. If you want to check that out, it's called the Theory Board. It's on Kickstarter, uh, and there's lots and lots of really kind of trippy videos with the guy's got a very uh, soporific kind of voice. I wonder if that's part of it. I wonder if there's some subliminal messages. And as I say, they kind of treat his voice in a sort of real Carl Sagan kind of way <laughs> where it, with this sort of ambient background and then it sort of drifts off into these large reverbs that tail in. And so you kind of like feel, you feel bliss towards it. So maybe that's one of the reasons as well. But yeah, again, another another one. Anyway, um, that probably brings us probably uh, close to the end, I think, or, or to the end. And I want to say thank you very much to uh, you guys. Thank you, Charles, for, for stepping in and getting here in time and uh, <laughs> being around for, for that. Are you are you off out of the country after this? Is this your last show for a little I while? I am. It is. I head off to uh, Ireland this weekend, and that's the beginning of the OMD tour until mid-December. So, yeah, we're, we start in Ireland, work our way around the UK, and then do all of Europe. And then we're off for a while, then we... After Christmas, we Scandinavia and the US. Wow, that's okay. what's planned. That's what's planned so far. Nice. So, well, I hope yeah, you have a lovely schedule. time. Have a Thanks. lovely time, Thanks. and it all goes. All your pre-production has made it so that it will be perfect. I'm very happy. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask. Did you get one of those? Uh, did you get any joy with the uh, the Persona uh, the Personas Play? No, no. The iConnectivity Play Audio 12 as a as a backup uh, system. Did you get a positive response to uh, that from your tech uh, guys? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, they seem rem- they do seem somewhat interested. The only thing is, um, with on the Howard Jones side, we have uh, one of the iConnect audio things, and I also have one of those here. Uh, it's a little tricky on reliability, just a little bit, just a little bit. And so I'm not sure if I'm ready yet to use one of those live. So instead, we're using um, uh, RME stuff. So because right. RME is it's kind of hard to beat. It's rock solid, you know. <laughs> So uh, that's what we're using live right now. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. thanks for joining us. And also, uh, Ben, Divkid, Wilson, thank you for joining us too. Uh, what have you got coming up in your channel next? What's your next feature? Maleco um, gate delay, I think, and some footage from uh, SimFest that I've been a little bit slow uh, getting to. Um, yeah, looking at gate delays and allowing you to really quickly and easily uh, place beats as we're all probably used to in software, you know, pulling the clap back just before the snare so it flams, creating some groove and feel and swing. Um, really nice module, very quick. Um, yeah, 
just going to be that Maleko okay. gate delay next Great. Well, thank you very much, Ben. And also, Gaz, thank you for joining us too. Uh, you've got your uh, album launch, haven't you? Is it next week or the week after? Uh, it's November the 3rd. Uh, ah, yes. So that's Asteroid Deluxe, the lawn. <laughs> but yeah, so if anyone's around, please come down to that if anyone can make it. Because uh, we got, um, you know, I mentioned before, we got all the brilliant live visuals for it. So we've got the guy doing it, mixing it, mixing all the visuals live. And it's just it's a brilliant show it's the one we did at green man festival we're basically doing that again but to launch the album so we've got it on vinyl now which is great so yeah so we're going to start taking pre-sales as well uh asteroiddeluxe.com excellent nice glad you could get that plug in and of course uh what have yeah. we got going on what have we got uh, we've got uh, last thing i posted was the uh dave smith instruments rev 2 review i also got gaz's machina 3 review if you haven't seen that already uh post a little tip on ableton live uh, i've got the analog solutions uh fuse box which i won't get to before we go away just remember there's no live show next week and uh, before we go just a reminder if you want to enter the isotope competition uh, you need to be on twitter you tweet the hashtag fix my mix and the hashtag ozone eight to uh, win a copy of isotopes ozone eight and you uh, address those to at sonic state and at isotope inc so that's fix my mix and ozone eight to at sonic state and at isotope inc that is it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, as I say, no live show next week. Uh, will be the Fairlight uh, Series 3 special that I shot with uh, Robbie Pericelli. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye now. <laughs>